welcome to the Cyber Ranch podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch podcast. With us today is my good friend, Taylor Lehman. Former CISO several times over in the healthcare sector and currently the America's leader for security, networking, identity, and compliance solution architecture at AWS. We're here to talk today about application security, what differentiates it from other kinds of security, how to get started, what frameworks to use, how to deal with infrastructure as code, and how to deal with DevOps. Taylor, thanks so much for coming on down to the ranch. Well, howdy, Alan. Happy to be here. Howdy. I like it. I like it. That's howdy. a Boston boy trying to say howdy, y'all. Uh, howdy, y'all. First, a brief word about our sponsor. Time is the enemy of cybersecurity. Time spent identifying devices that are missing endpoint agents with known vulnerabilities that are unmanaged, that need updates. Time spent identifying cloud instances that aren't being scanned, that are misconfigured. Time spent gathering asset data. Time is the enemy of cybersecurity until Axonius. By connecting to existing data sources, customers get a comprehensive asset inventory, understand security gaps, and automatically validate and enforce security policies. Thank you, Axonius, for sponsoring this show. So, Taylor, let's start with a little bit of a brief story here about how you broke into cyber and uh, a little bit about your day job in cyber today. I feel like I'm dating myself with this. Uh, I started in sort of general security IT controls at PwC back in 2004, sort of graduated within PwC to help build and then eventually run a big chunk of our healthcare security and financial services security practice as it was sort of coming up <clears throat> in the Northeast and transitioned out of PwC around 2010 to work at a health insurance company in Buffalo, New York called Independent Health as their first CSO. Spent time at a major hospital here in Boston and spent some time working in global health IT. So for me, it was an interesting uh, story. I'd just come out of college originally, didn't know what I wanted to do, was really good with computers, had some experience like hacking systems and libraries and, and enjoyed learning what I could do to get computers to do what I wanted. Began to tinker, found a real joy in understanding how systems worked and how inputs led to outputs and how I could command a system to do what I wanted and eventually just turned that into a career and went into the industry back in, like I said, 2010, spent some time leading security teams and learning a lot. So that transition from CISO to that mouthful of a job description uh, at Amazon, <laughs> America's yeah. leader for security, networking, identity, and compliance solution architecture at AWS. Well, it's very patriotic. How, how was that transition know. from CISO to that? You know, it's different in the sense that, you know, I'm working with uh, a variety of customers across a variety of industries and trying to solve really hard problems and help organizations adopt really strong practices that make sure that they have a good day. Uh, every day they come in and every day they operate on the platform. As a healthcare CISO, I was very much working with healthcare organizations, helping them secure their operations, make sure patient care was being delivered. Doing that at scale uh, was a really rewarding job and I enjoyed doing it. I thought when I, when I came to AWS, you know, I was going to have the ability to have that same experience, but at scale across many industries. It's been a really interesting experience and it's something that I value greatly, you know, being able to be in a position to help organizations do, do their work and, and be successful at it while operating confidently in the cloud. It's been a, a really rewarding experience so far and something I've enjoyed doing. It's very different than a CISO role. Like, my God, every CISO role I've had has been different, but it's always been about working with customers. It's always about 
been able to try to find the best thing for the people who walk in the door, the, the people who trust you with their data. And that really hasn't changed coming to AWS. All right, so Taylor, let's talk a little bit about AppSec. Now, everyone knows application security at a fundamental level is securing, well, applications, right? But sometimes I think people conflate that with product security, with enterprise security. There's a bit of a, a real differentiation that's not as simple as like, oh, you're scanning an application. What to you is that distinction, that delineation that really makes AppSec stand out from ProdSec, from enterprise security, and, and all the other types of security that we do? At the fundamental level, application security is a super critical part of how an organization protects its critical assets. We often refer to it as layer seven security or basically the, the security of the applications that people are interacting with every day. These could be internal apps, these could be apps customers use. Contrasting that with, I think, the more traditional understanding of security, which is really around enterprise security. So this is like securing servers and data, and that's all still super important. But application security is securing the applications that run on top of those things we secure using an enterprise security approach. You've probably heard of the NIST cybersecurity framework. You know, that is generally best practices for securing infrastructure like data and uh, servers and data centers, et cetera. But surprisingly, application security and up until recently, supply chain security were parts of the NIST cyber framework that were left out. And the reason I mentioned the NIST cyber framework is that's, you know, one of the predominant frameworks folks use to sort of structure a security program end to end. But it's important to point out, it doesn't include AppSec. AppSec is a series of tools and techniques that are used to make sure that the applications that we put in front of users exhibit secure behaviors, uh, take data in, process data correctly, and take data out in a way that's secure. So, so what is, and I'm going to deviate a little bit from what we discussed earlier, what, what, what is your favorite AppSec framework? I mean, there's popular frameworks that talk about mitigating popular vulnerabilities in applications. So the OWASP Top 10 is a framework that very sort of developer application centric. It talks about software used to secure applications, has secure properties, uh, that it takes input and validates input as valid before it processes it. So it makes sure that the data someone puts in an application will be sanitized and used correctly as the application processes code further and ensures output that the application produces is complete and accurate, has integrity. There's a variety of, you know, sort of topics within the top 10, but the top 10 is a predominant framework that folks use to understand what are the most common vulnerabilities and how to mitigate them. There's other AppSec frameworks that talk about the program and the structure application security team should adhere to to build a mature practice. I like the BSIM framework. Mm -hmm. It's called the Building Security and Maturity Model. And it describes, you know, practices that teams who build and secure applications should follow to ensure that they've got, you know, a strong application security program, a community, and a culture. Right. So it depends on how deep you want to go. Uh, OWASP Top 10 is a pretty popular framework lots of folks use. Uh, the BSIM framework or OpenSAM framework talks about, you know, sort of more program level yeah. controls. But they're all great. They all have strengths and weaknesses. I don't know if I have a favorite. Yep. So they're all useful. I've used Top 10. I've used OpenSAM. And uh, weirdly enough, literally just yesterday, I, I did a, uh, a fireside chat with one of the guys that created BSIM. Um, so I thought that was kind of fascinating. I, I, hadn't, I had never worked with it before, so I've, I've actually got a tab open on my browser. I'll be digging into that yeah. one. Well, shout out John Stephen for one of the original authors and Gary McGraw. That's a fabulous contribution to the security canon in the world. So thank you. All right. So we talked a little bit about why AppSec is important um, from the enterprise perspective and, and the layers and things we need to get into with it. You know, the fact that this is layer seven and this is where people are interacting with so much data in, data out, puts and gets. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to emphasize about why AppSec is important? 
I mean, I think application security is that is as important now as it was before. I think now that we've gotten really good at securing things like data centers and servers and databases, I mean, some could argue we haven't been, but we've gotten better at what are the good practices for that. Application security has been sort of the redheaded stepchild, right? It's not something that teams have been super familiar with. It's been a, a, an area, for, especially for organizations who traditionally bought software versus built it. I don't know what they really need to do to make sure it's secure. I think we put a trust sometimes too much into things that shouldn't be trusted and applications are typically those things. Uh, so it's an area of, of importance. It's always been, uh, but it's been an area that I think we've seen. And, and if you look at trends and in incidents and, and breaches, uh, you know, we're starting to see things like web applications being attacked and those attacks being sex- successful uh, quite a bit more than we've seen in the past. As things have gotten harder, attackers move up the stack. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the roles and the personas. Like, who all should be involved in AppSec? We've got kind of the devs, we've got the actual security folks, we've got operations people, perhaps pipeline people, others. Uh, what training roles? Like, who are the personas that that are involved in a, in a comprehensive AppSec approach? I mean, to a certain degree, everyone's involved. But to be specific, um, there's I would say three really key roles. An organization is looking to build an application security function. You need to think about, and I'm going to talk maybe from the perspective of an organization who builds software. So the first would be the developers, the engineers, the folks who build the software that is then put in front of a customer. Those are frontline system defenders. These are the people who may not realize it, but as they're building apps, they're the closest to being able to defend the apps as well. So as we build code, as we build uh, systems that take input, take output, secure objects, interact with other systems through things like web services and APIs, they are the ones who are writing how those integrations work, and they are the ones who are writing how that code works. And they're the ones who typically would deploy the defensive tactics provided to them or made available to them or trained into them by the application security team, which is the second persona. So the AppSec team or application security team, these are the experts within the organization. They are a, a, a ratio of fewer, uh, there are fewer of these typically than the devs, uh, but these are the teams who build the strategies and provide the tools, the standards and guidelines for writing and deploying applications securely. So think of these folks as a combination of auditors, technologists, and developers. They understand how to build software, they understand how to secure software, they also understand how to break software, but they also understand how developers work. So these are the folks who provide that security expertise overlay. And then you've got your ops teams, and these are the teams who take this piece of software that's been built and ensure that the piece of software that has been tested, this piece of software that has been approved, they're the team who make sure that that software goes to the approved pipelines or deployment patterns to get into whatever environment that software is supposed to be getting into. Uh, so this team cares really strongly about making sure the pipelines to get code from a developer's desktop to whatever environment it's supposed to be, follow the appropriate paved roads or approved patterns, all the testing, all the signing, all the other steps that need to be in place to ensure that the code is, has integrity and is the right code and is secure code, get into production. And then once it's in there, that it stays, in a sense, up and running and as secure as it can possibly be. Three personas. We've got our devs, we've got our AppSec, and we've got our ops. And in the training, you're saying that the AppSec guys are probably the folks sort of training the developers and coaching them and teaching them how to do uh, secure code in the first place. And Yeah, I think in that middle category, AppSec, I mean, there's there's a variety of different sort of capabilities that are represented under that single persona as I presented it. So, for example, training, yep. tools, testing, and within tools, there's specialty around static analysis, dynamic analysis, continuous analysis, 
open source dependency checking, best practices. You know, so there's a lot of different flavors those AppSec roles can can take. Right. So you know, training is super important capability, but you know, it's one sort of feature of where sort of umbrella term AppSec professionals uh, falls. All right, so let's talk a little bit then about threat modeling, one of my all-time favorite activities. Uh, for those who aren't too familiar, uh, there's various models out there. We talked about our, our uh, models for application security, our framework, and then within threat modeling specifically, there's Stride, there's Dread, and there's even a couple of others that I'm not familiar with that I've heard people referencing of late. Which models have you worked with, do you work with? And more importantly, you know, forget the models. What's the goal and the purpose of threat modeling, and how do you incorporate that into your AppSec paradigm? You know, it's interesting. There's a lot of sort of debate as far as what the best threat modeling activity is. And I've certainly used a few, Stride being one of them. The fact that the, the point of threat modeling is to really understand how an application is deployed and the various risks associated with how that deployment is represented uh, once it's in production or once it's in an environment where users can use it. It is essentially uh, a process to go through diagram an application, all of its parts and dependencies and really ask yourself, what if this went wrong? What could I do here to abuse a specific uh, parameter or interface? What would an attacker do to it to compromise the system effectively? And you sort of scenario play, you know, what could go wrong? What are the controls we need to be in place? Where could we be vulnerable? And that all really starts with diagramming the system out and asking those questions as you step through each component of the system and each workflow that the system will support. Uh, like I mentioned, there's a variety of methods to do this. No single one is right. No single one is wrong. But the key thing about threat modeling is to have a threat model. And that's the part that folks I've often found times getting started in their AppSec journey overlook. Really, the most important part is understanding what is the system you're trying to secure? What are the components to it? How exposed are they? How do they work? And do they implement an appropriate security model? Uh, you'll find that threat modeling is probably the best way to start to find really systemic vulnerabilities in a system and then to begin the process of architecting a system correctly to be able to prevent or defend itself uh, from attacks. And that's the fun part of the job. You get to be evil. Yeah, you get to pretend you're an attacker and you get to try to exercise threats against a system in a safe way yeah. and walk through with other evil bits to see if it'll work or not. Exactly. It's a fun exercise, but it's like more than fun. It's really important to do. And like I said, it oftentimes get overlooked because at least my opinion is we put too much trust into the tools that we buy to protect us versus really understanding the risks our systems present and then securing them against the threats that, fa that they face. Right. Uh, no tool is going to take the place of a threat model. Exactly. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about infrastructure as code. You know, in the modern world, we, we differentiated between, you know, data center and enterprise traditional, you know, NIST CSF. And now we talk about the application layer and the fact that CSF doesn't really address the application layer. But now we have this weird thing called infrastructure as code where yes. is it infrastructure? Is it application? Which is it? And, and how does that tie into the application software? We've got this convergence and we need to, you know, walk through and understand how that differentiates infrastructure as code versus application or versus infrastructure. Where does it fall and how do we treat it from an AppSec perspective? Yeah, that's a good point. And I'll probably have to backtrack a couple things I said earlier just around like what is AppSec, right? So traditionally, application security has been focused on application software, like the things that we build to put in front of customers that provide some sort of business value and like an application. Increasingly, and especially now with the, with the cloud becoming more broadly adopted, the way we deploy infrastructure like servers and databases is also, like an application, is also deployed 
through code. You know, it started on-prem with frameworks like Chef, Fit Puppet, Ansible, Salt. These were like early forms of infrastructure as code, but effectively what it was was a language that you could program a data center using. You could design a data center with software. The software would say deploy server A to host A, server B to host A, server C to host B, deploy this database, deploy these patches, and sort of you could orchestrate your entire data center with code you could write at your desktop, just like a developer would build an application that would run for a customer. So now that infrastructure is a lot more like how applications get built, infrastructure is code, is becomes almost like the same patterns to secure infrastructure as code, or the code that runs infrastructure, those patterns are increasingly becoming the same patterns to secure the applications we write and deploy. So there's a convergence as more of our infrastructure as well as our applications centers around the fact that code is used to build and deploy both. You're seeing a convergence of, hey, well, what works to secure application software are probably the same things that work to secure infrastructure. If it's being written as code, I mean, code is code, right? So good practices to protect application code are probably good practices to protect infrastructure code. So we need to start thinking about those things as not the same necessarily, but similar enough where the controls do apply to both. The best practices really do apply to both. I like that. And I'm thinking in terms of the DevOps model, right? Like where and how do we treat infrastructure as code as an application for purposes of AppSec versus as enterprise, you know, production data center type model. And I guess it's all part of that DevOps model that at the end of the day, as it exists as code, as it's flowing through the pipeline, AppSec makes an awful lot of sense. But by the time this infrastructure has been deployed, and by the time you do have VMA running on server B, you should also be hitting it for traditional infrastructure security as well. So in other words, infrastructure as code, in my mind, is is probably receiving the benefits of both AppSec and enterprise security. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, the same things that apply to making sure application software is deployed with security built in. Things like threat modeling apply, secure sort of static analysis of of code applies, dynamic analysis of code applies, pen testing applies. So the same control patterns apply yep. to both both types of code. And uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately done wrong, it could it could lead to bad days uh, on both sides. I guess what I'm pointing out is that division between dev and ops, which of course the whole point of DevOps is to blur that line. But at the end of the day, once that VM is deployed, I still want to treat it like infrastructure, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. I think so. But you can also uh, destroy and redeploy it as quickly as you can an application if something's wrong. Exactly. Right. And that's like one of the beauties of it is like you can, yes, you do. It does require different patterns to manage perhaps, but it, it also incorporates the same benefits as say an application. You find an issue with it. You want to take it down and redeploy it with a patch. You can do that in minutes with an application. You can do that in minutes with, an, with a piece of infrastructure, which might suffer from the same issue. Re Reinstantiate, take down, bring up, yeah. you know, drift management, the whole shoot and match. It's all there and all that still managed through code. And every process, every piece of that capability has to run through the AppSec gauntlet to ensure that things are running correctly. The, to a certain degree, all software has vulnerabilities. It's just a matter of time to find them. Uh, the same can be true for infrastructure. But the goal is, and this is especially true with the cloud, is when those inevitable things occur, you want to be in the position where you can take down and redeploy quickly with fixes. And that can be a real challenge with on-prem systems because there's downtime, yep. there's customer impact, there's you know a variety of other issues that stand in your way from fixing things and redeploying quickly. And in the same sense, taking any new idea or any new thing you need to do in integrating it quickly and redeploying it. It becomes a real challenge on-prem. The cloud makes that a lot easier, a lot faster. 
But that is a really important capability in cyber is to be able to react quickly. And infrastructure as code combined with application and code and putting the processes in place to make sure the things you deploy at least up front are secure. Then when you think about how you maintain it, right. that's also really important to be able to do. Yeah, it's it's funny. Instead of applying a patch, you're actually nuking something and, and rebuilding it, but all in seconds. Yep. Um, so <laughs> if it can be yep. that quick, why not do it that Sometimes way? Sometimes minutes, but yeah, seconds. Yeah, yep. have, that, sure. have that master image ready to go. And always be updating it and always have that golden image. And that, you know, that's where we get into drift management and that whole conversation. But uh, sure. All right. So let's say that I'm new to AppSec. Let's say that I'm just getting my handle on it. I've got a good, secure enterprise on prem infrastructure kind of environment that I've gotten my handle on. And I've even got, you know, ProdSec going on down the hall for the engineers cranking products out for our customers. And nobody's really focused on the application security layer. This is a weird model I'm, I'm presenting here. But for some reason, no one's focused on the application security specifically. How do I get started? I've got a veteran team that understands enterprise security. I, I maybe even have a product security team. But here I am now facing the AppSec challenge. How do I get started? There's probably conventional ways to get started. My unconventional way to get started is if you know nothing, if you're a great security person, or even if you're not, you want to get started with application security, which is basically like saying, I want to learn how applications can be secured or insecured. I would always encourage teams to go sit with the developer. If you can, buy him or her a beer. Ask them to let you watch them work. Ask them to show you from start to finish how they check code out, how they build it, how they check it in, how they test it how they make sure that it's got all the sort of properties to it that it needs to run, where those things come from, how the deployment patterns work, how things get into production, how things get taken down, redeployed, and eventually terminated entirely. You need to understand how applications and, like we said, infrastructure as well, how things get built end-to-end. And being inquisitive and understanding or asking questions to, you know, why this, why that, how does this happen? When I click this button, what occurs? And then understanding the process or understanding processes on how software is built, taking the attacker perspective to then go look at, well, how can I break that? Flipping the evil bit. Right, exactly. And really, I mean, honestly, the, the most of the application security I've ever learned have been asking developers that question, like, how would you circumvent this? What is insecure? Like, what, what could go wrong here? And having that inquisitive mind, I mean, this is a very base layer and not a lot of people are going to be able to do this. So this might be impractical, but it is the best way to learn is to sit with somebody who understands how applications are built and asking them the what could go wrong question. Aside from that, you know, there's plenty of academic papers, artifacts, training, whatnot. You can take to begin to understand that those OWASP top 10, how they work. There's tons of labs and things you can do at home to like exploit a, you know, given, you know, vulnerability on a system using examples they provide. Those are also great ways to learn. Like workshops are fabulous. But for me, the best way to really learn is go talk to somebody who's an expert in each of those roles. Ask them how they do their work. And if they'll let you watch them do their work. Yeah. And you'll begin to develop an understanding on what what needs to go right, what could go wrong, and where does AppSec fit. A lot of people in security tend to get this antagonistic relationship with the developers, and I and I don't understand where that comes from because you, you know, it's it's the same thing we do with our end users. Oh, those idiot end users. You know, it's like no, 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 no. These aren't idiot end users. These are people who have jobs to do that are different from your job, and they operate according to different priorities. And the devs are the same way. They're under the pressures that developers are under. And it amazes me every time I've ever sat down with a dev and really gotten into the security questions. I, I would argue ninety five percent of the time. The dev already has a list of security gripes 
and was eager oh, to yeah. have somebody who cared and somebody who asked and somebody who knew and, and they're ready to go with like, oh my God, we do this and we shouldn't, we do this other thing. And then I'm always worried about this other thing. And we've never had the time to fix the other thing. And we don't have the priority for this. The devs almost so, always are on your side in my experience. And the devs are always willing to sit down with you and share those experiences and share their concerns. And they've probably got a pretty comprehensive security punch list for you already in their own back pocket without you even having to walk in the door and do any introduction of security thinking. They've probably already got a decent punch list on their own. That's been my experience with almost every single shop I've worked in. Does your experience correspond with that? Yeah. I mean, I'd say I'd take it a step further. And like I've met, you know, I've been in security for a long time. I've met many, like 10, maybe more engineers and software developers who know a heck of a lot more about security than I do. And not only that, to your point, right, that they know the ways around this, they know the ways around the things to get the things done. They know the ways around your firewalls and your antivirus and your your testing patterns to get things in. And they almost always want to do the right thing because nobody wants to see their thing get popped, right? Nobody wants to see the thing break in production. Nobody wants to see the thing get compromised. It's like, it's a sense of personal pride. Like we all have in our work, anything that any reasonable person would do to make sure that the thing that they built, that they put their heart and soul into stays running in production and creates value. They're on your team, more or less. They're they're on your team and they want to do the right thing. Uh, That's all. That's been my experience by far and large. Okay. You're always going to learn something from those folks. And, and, and you know what? Nine times out of 10, they would love to show you. The thing we got, the thing we got to get over is asking. So, so we've got the same experiences and, and here we are, both of us veteran CISOs, you know, multiple times over now, we've got the same perspective and these same experiences with developers that really want to work with us. So the million dollar question becomes then where, where does this trope come from that they don't care and that we have to go educate them and smack them around and make them be secure? Like, like I, where is that coming from in the first place? That's probably a topic for a whole nother show. Something you just said stood out to me. Like training isn't like a punitive thing, although it probably can feel that way if done incorrectly. Training needs to enable folks, not like, you know, correct bad behavior. Although sometimes that's necessary. It's usually not the case by far and large. Um, That's like the second time I've said that, uh, which is weird. Uh, That's probably the second time I've said that all year by far and large. But But I do think, you know, we need to like, we really do need to understand where developers are coming from and really understand how they work before we try to get into their world and adapt that world to include the guardrails that are needed to do what they do safely. It's almost always a better discussion. It almost always works a hundred times better when those teams are involved, when you listen to them and then bring them up to speed. Like training is not about necessarily telling them what's wrong. It's about showing them, Hey, you know, that thing you're doing, if you made these three, three or four small changes, you're going to build a resilient application. And almost always people want to know those things. Right. And to your point, there's personal pride there. Why, why wouldn't you want what you've spent your, you know, 40 plus hours a week creating? Why wouldn't you want that to be as good as it can be? It's really that simple. And, and so again, that, that notion that somehow security and devs are at odds with each other, it's just confusing to me. But if I could just say like, this is why, like, I have a very interesting take on the term DevSecOps. It's like, if you'll indulge me for a moment, DevSecOps and DevOps and developers and ops and security people, like we all need them to work together. We don't need security people to get in between an ops. And this is why I take issue with the word DevSecOps. We need devs to work with ops. We need security to be there to support both. You know, it's more of a triangle than it is a linear equation. So for me, everyone needs to work together. And, and, and if approached correctly, where teams go into those arrangements and security programs are built based on collaboration, you have a way better chance of succeeding because it's not one group talking down to the other. It's not like one group's needs are greater than the others. It's 
DevOps is about like trusting and supporting your 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 colleagues. It's not about necessarily even automation to me. It's about understanding what everyone needs and making sure you accommodate for that as you build and try to run a business. I love that. So listen, we're getting to the end of the show. So I wanted to ask you a question. I ask every guest, what keeps you going in cybersecurity? Why do you jump out of bed in the morning and dive into another day of cyber? What's that motivation for you? There is a lot of good we can do in the world uh, with the work that we're doing. I'm not in the military. Um, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. Like I don't have anything to offer in those sense. But my ability to protect people and protect societies and protect systems and protect the things that I feel are good in the world really comes from contributions I've made in cybersecurity. So getting up every day, being able to think that every day I go to work and I help secure uh, systems that protect people, that's what drives me. And to be able to do that and build other people uh, with that same mentality who want to do good in the world, that's the other thing. So it's my contribution to being able to to help. And then it's building the next generation of people who do. That's a very positive and very forward-looking answer. And it's 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 we tied it. so much into what I consider to be the most noble pursuits of what we do in InfoSec. I love that answer. So Taylor Lehman, America's leader for security networking, identity, and compliance solution architecture at AWS. Thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch. Thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now.